0: Thank you so very much. Uh, If you have your Bibles this morning, let me encourage you to find Acts chapter number 28. Acts chapter number 28. Here we have made it all the way through this wonderful, wonderful book of Acts. Remember, Acts was written to a man by the name of Theophilus. Luke wrote this book to him. And if you'll recall, if you'll take your Bibles and hold your place in Acts chapter 28, if you'll go all the way back to Acts chapter number 1, verse number 1, you'll see that... Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing here, and he says the former treaties uh, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day which he was taken up, after that which through the Holy Ghost had given commands unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So he's writing to this guy, and the reason why he's writing to him, David, is he wants to win this gentleman to Christ. And so he begins to share with him all the things that God did through Jesus Christ as the Holy Spirit is moving him to write this letter to him. And we know that throughout the course of the book of Acts, it's divided up into two sections. The first section deals with Peter, and the second, second section deals with Paul. Throughout both of these sections, it revolves around a common theme, and that theme is found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where the Bible says, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And that is what we see all through this wonderful book of Acts. And then when we get to verse uh, number 1 of chapter number 28, it all begins to come to a close, and it culminates. And we cross the finish line, which is fascinating because... It just kind of ends. And there's a reason for that. And the reason why it just kind of just ends is the finishing line for Paul becomes the starting line for you and I. And so in you, when you read the book of Acts, you, you see that there's not this uh, wonderful, grandiose ending that we have. It just kind of fades off. In fact, look at verse number 31, the uh, very last verse of the book of Acts where he says Paul is preaching the kingdom of God teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence no man forbidding him period and that's it and it's over but that finish line for Paul again is the starting line for you and I where we are called by God to pick up the baton and continue traveling continue sharing the gospel continuing being a witness for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so I've entitled the message this morning how God fulfills the Great Commission how God fulfills the Great Commission the series that uh, we've been going through I've entitled the whole series going all the way through the book of Acts is living with biblical clarity and really my desire was just to clearly see what the Bible says how you and I are to live through the book of Acts And in doing so, may we partner with the Lord Jesus Christ and do the same. May we be the same witness that Paul was, the same witness that Peter was, the same witness that Luke was. May we be that same witness for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ testifying to the greatest news on earth, and that is Jesus is alive. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is alive." alive. Boy, do you mean that? He is alive. Uh, We serve a risen Savior. And so when you look at this passage of Scripture, there are 31 verses in this last chapter. It naturally divides itself into two sections. I want to look at these two sections today. And in looking at these two sections, I hope that it will challenge you uh, to be more engaged in the Great Commission as we leave this place here in just a little while. Number one, the first thing I want you to see is verses 1 through 16, how the Great Commission was fulfilled in Malta. How the Great Commission was fulfilled in Malta. Now, the reason why I'm diving right into it is because there's a lot to cover here in these 31 verses. And uh, I want you to see, first and foremost, the context by way of introduction of this first point. Remember what's happened to Paul. He has spent the last two years in Caesarea by the sea. And he's been in prison under house arrest. Finally, they finally got a ship and they finally put him on this ship and he traveled for 14 days from Caesarea to Rome. Over that 14-day period, it was rough. I'm talking about it was absolutely treacherous. It was the last ship leaving Caesarea by the sea, the last ship to make it over into Rome, and it was not an easy task. There was a huge storm. It absolutely wrecked the ship. It ended up, uh, they ended up being shipwrecked, which, uh, by the way, this was not Paul's first shipwreck. He'd been shipwrecked several times, actually. But this one was so traumatic, it was so difficult, they actually beached the ship on this island called Malta, and God had promised, said, nobody's going to die, nobody's going to die, but you're going to lose the ship, and that's exactly what happened. And the reason why Paul was encouraging them that no one was going to die, because uh, God had already promised Paul that he was going to Rome. Paul's desire throughout the course of the second half of the book of Acts is to get to Rome so that he could share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, be mindful of this. The church of Rome has already been established, it's already in play, it's already growing. God's doing amazing things there in Rome through the Christians in Rome. Paul just wants to get there to help continue to share the gospel, so that they too can take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. And so that's Paul's desire, and he's going to have to stand before Caesar in order to do so. But we see, first and foremost, they land on this island of Malta, which, by the way, is about 60 miles from Sicily. All right, so they're not completely there yet, but here's what happened after they beached that ship the bible says look look at verse 44 of chapter 27 real quick the bible says and the rest some on boards some on broken pieces of the ship and so it came to pass that they all escaped safe to land so 278 people or 76 people got out of that boat that was beached and that was being ripped apart and they made it to land some on driftwood others swam Chapter number 28, beginning in verse number 1, we see how the Great Commission was fulfilled in Malta. There are three things that I want you to see in these 16 verses. The first one is this, how God protects his servants. God protects his servants in verses 1 through 6. How? How did God protect his servant, Paul? Look at what the Scripture says. The Bible says first and foremost that God protected him by giving him a refuge, the Bible says, and when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. Now, I'm reading from the King James Bible. You may be reading from another version. Your version may say Malta. We know it as Malta today. We know about the Maltese people. We know about what's going on over there in that area. And so we find here in the text, the Bible is talking about uh, Malta. By the way, what is key about Malta is its name and what it means. The name Malta literally means refuge. Paul provided, excuse me, God provided Paul with a refuge with an island called Malta. So we see, first of all, God protected Paul by giving him refuge. Refuge is a place where you can run and hide. It's a place of rest. It's a place where you can find comfort. We have a refuge on this campus, the refuge building over there, a place where men can go as well as Bible studies are had, where you can hear the word of the living God. So here is Paul being protected by God, and he has given him a refuge after 14 days of this violent storm. Number two, there's a second thing here, and that is God protected his servant by giving him a rescue look at what the Bible says in verse number two the Bible says and the barboa's people showed us no little kindness for they kindled a fire and received everyone uh, because of the present rain and because of the cold now remember this is the rainy season Uh, actually they probably should have never set sail Paul even said don't we don't need to go during this season? It's a bad season. They didn't listen. They saw money as the bottom line. That's what ended, how this thing ended up in ship shipwreck. So we find here though in the text, God gave them a rescue by the barboas people. Now who in the world are they? These are the Maltese people. The reason why they call them barboas people in the Word of God is, be, is the, because they did not speak Greek or Latin. They had their own language. They did not have a base language to communicate. And so they couldn't speak Greek, they couldn't speak Latin, and so they were looked at as barbarians. Now, it was not a negative term as it is today. What it simply says is this, in those barbarian nations, when they saw someone wash up on their beach, it wasn't unusual for them to capture them and enslave them and even kill them. Uh, They didn't want anybody messing up their economy, they didn't want anybody messing up their island, but that's not what happened here in this particular passage. God calls Malta the place of refuge, a place of rest, and then he gives them these Maltese people, and the Bible says that they were no little kindness. That is, they did not enslave them, they did not uh, try to kill them, but what they did do, according to the word of God, is that they made a fire for them, and they showed them no little kindness. They went overboard to take care of these prisoners. Now, remember who's on this ship. They're all prisoners. They're all criminals. Uh, And we're going to see what they think about Paul here in just a few moments because in that we see the third way God protects his servants and protects Paul, and that is by giving him a remedy. By giving him a remedy. What do you mean? Look at verses 3 through 6. Here's what the Bible says. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw this venomous beast hanging on his hand, they said amongst themselves, No doubt, this man is a murderer whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffer him not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. How be it? They looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly, but after they had looked a great while and saw no, no harm come to him, They changed their minds and said that he was a god. So here we see what they really thought of Paul. The first thing they thought he was was a murderer. But before they thought he was a murderer, remember what happened. So it's raining, they got a fire, Paul says, I'm going to go get some firewood. He goes over and gets the wood, and as he picks the wood up and he goes and places it on the fire, a snake comes out of the fire, probably was uh, hibernating, came out and bit him right on the hand. I don't know about you but I don't like snakes David do you like snakes no you don't like snakes I don't know if you know this story or not, but there was a, a time in, in David's the funniest story I've heard. They put a, a fake snake in David's office, and he he ran a he punched a hole in the sheetrock, is what he did. He got so upset uh, over it. Uh, but I just don't I don't like snakes either. I don't know that I'd punch a hole in the sheetrock, David. But I can't say what I'd do if you put a snake on me. I'm I'm just not that kind of guy. Now, uh, Jay, who works is on our staff. Uh, if there's a snake he'll go get it and pick it up and and he'll take care of it Uh, but Paul wasn't taking care of this snake the snake was taking care of him it bit him and the problem that people have today in the Word of God is when you go to the city of uh, or you go to this town of Malta now this little island there are no snakes at all on the island they're all gone all the snakes are gone so some people question the Word of God saying well uh, this can't be true because there's no, there's no snakes on Malta today. Well, just because there's no snakes on Malta today doesn't mean there wasn't snakes back then. And so uh, I don't think that's a real good argument for uh, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the word of God. But in this case, we do see that there was snakes there. And this snake had bit him on the hand. And uh, because it bit him on the hand, uh, he was supposed to die. And the people say, well, he's a murderer. And according to the Bible, the Bible says, Paul just shook that thing off into the fire. And it fell in the fire and they had roasted rattlesnake or whatever kind of snake it was, a venomous snake uh, that day. But the bottom line is here, they thought he was a murderer and that he was supposed to die. And they said, well, the storm should have got him, but he was shown grace in the storm. But now he's going to die. And they watched him very closely. And, of course, what happened? He didn't swell up or anything. And so they changed their minds. And they simply said, he's a god. Now, there's something to notice about this. Remember, these Maltese people are lost. They don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord, but there's something great we can learn about this. In the context that this thing is written, we see that these individuals had a sense of justice even though that they're lost. Even though they don't know Christ as their Savior, they have a sense of justice. They say because this man is a murderer, he's going to die because the gods are going to have justice done to him. And so we find that Romans chapter number 5 is true. The Bible says, actually Romans chapter 2 verse 15. Turn over there if you would. Turn to Romans chapter 2 verse number 15. Uh, Look at what the Bible says here about those individuals that are barbarians, if you would, are lost, don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. The Bible says, "...which show the works of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile..." accusing or else excusing one another so according to the Word of God as you and I even as lost people have a sense of justice in our heart there is a law that's written in our heart there are things that we know that are right or wrong in our heart and because of this these cultures if you would had this justice but God in his sovereignty saw his servant and protected his servant. He protected his servant by giving him a refuge. He was protecting his servant by giving him, if you would, a rescue. He was protecting his servant by giving him a remedy. Now how can we apply this in today's context? Simply this: God still takes care of his children. Remember, the goal that you and I have. Is to go to heaven with Jesus. That's where the goal is. That's where the finishing line. We are on our way to heaven, and God is going to protect us until we get to heaven. They say, "Well, uh, why do people get cancer?" That's not what I'm saying. Don't miss. Don't miss the providence of God. The providence of God says, and the sovereignty of God says that there is a course, a course that you are running. Paul ran a course. The course that Paul ran was the course that God given him so that he could die and get to heaven. All through that course, when he got saved, he experienced riots, he experienced beatings, he experienced where they would beat him with rocks, uh, he experienced shipwreck. Now he's experienced this snake bite. It was not easy, but the providence of God was working through those things as he is journeying to heaven. You and I are on that same journey. We are journeying to heaven. And as we are, the Bible calls us sojourners, the Bible calls us strangers, this world is not our home. And we're going to experience difficulties. We're going to experience hard times. We're going to experience diseases. We're going to experience changes in our body. There are going to be things happening as we get older. Can I get a witness right there? I'm telling you, it's not An easy road to hope. But God has got a plan through it all. And as we go through these trials, we can say greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world so that when we cross the finish line, we can say we did it with all that we had, through the power of the Holy Spirit that we run the race and stayed faithful to God and nothing that came against us came to hurt us. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. God is for you. He's not against you. Regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what Paul experienced, he stayed true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So too, we need to stay true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because God protects his servant. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. So when difficulties come, God still loves you. When disease comes, God still loves you. When you have a difficult time, God still loves you. He is not leaving you or forsaking you. God protects His servants. Number two, here's the second thing. God is fulfilling the Great Commission there in Malta. Not only does God protect His servants, but God also provides for His servants. God provides for His servants, verse 7 through through 10. How does God provide for Paul in verses 7 through 10? Let me show you. Look at verse number 7. The Bible says, In the same quarters were the possessions of the chief, chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And it came to pass... "...that the father of Bubulus lay sick with a fever and a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also which had disease in the island came and were healed, who also, who also honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laid us with such things as was necessary." So we find here in these passages of Scripture here that God is going to provide for His servant. How did God provide for His servant? He provided three ways. Did you see it? The first one was this. He provided Paul with hospitality. Verse number 7. We are introduced to a man by the name of Publius. Who Who is this guy? This guy is the chief man of the island. He's the mayor. He's the head honcho. He's the grand poobah. He is the one who can make, make things happen there on that island. And so when you enter, introduce to him, you cannot ignore the fact that he is what we call in missions a man of peace. He is a man of peace. Uh, I can remember when I was in Indonesia, uh, we were taking the gospel to an unreached people group. We were taking uh, the gospel to the Makian Timor people group. And I can remember when we finally got to the island, which took forever to get there, We got off, we jumped on some mopeds, and we toured the island. It was a really small island. You could tour the whole thing. You would drive around the whole thing in less than an hour. It was a really small island. Their primary export was nutmeg, so you could see them there uh, shaving the nutmeg and trying to get uh, all that bottled up and send it out because it was part of the Spice Islands. And all these things were happening. Um, What we didn't know is that the mayor didn't know we were coming. But who knew? The one who did know we were coming uh, was the uh, was the 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 gentleman. uh, Excuse me, the the spiritual leader, the imam. I'm gonna get it out here in a minute. The imam uh, of of Islam. So there was an imam on the island. He was kind of the guy that said we could come. The missionary came a week before we did to make sure and set it all up. But as we're scooting around on these on these mopeds, we get pulled over. And I'm with the missionary. I'm on the back of this moped with the missionary. And this guy jumps off, and he begins to speak in their language, and he's just real adamant, and just his eyes are real big. I mean, something's going on, and I'm not the sharpest pencil in the box, but I'm telling you, Buzzard, something's not right. And uh, he, he turned, the missionary turns to this guy and speaks real strong to him and, and sends him off like that real quick. And uh, I said, is everything Okay. He said, The mayor is calling for us to come to City Hall. Uh, he's pretty upset. All these Americans on the island, he didn't know we were coming, and uh, he wants to see me. And so I said, well, What'd you tell that guy? He said, I told him to do two things. Number one, I told him to go tell the mayor that we, we're going to come, and number two, to go get the imam go get the spiritual leader there and so uh, we turned around and we went straight back to City Hall and we all met there at City Hall and the missionary told us to stand outside City Hall and don't make another move and we said why he said well we may be going to jail today I thought that's a good thought this is gonna be fun in Jesus name Uh, here we come to this island to share Christ and we end up in jail wonderful I can't wait to explain this to my wife and children so he was in there for, I don't know, about 45 minutes, and while we're outside sweating bullets, and finally he comes out with this big smile on his face. And he says, we're okay. We got free free rule of the island. And we said, well, what happened? And he just simply said this. He said the mayor was very upset. He didn't know that we were coming. We were touring his island without his permission, and it was just a mess. And he was instructing the captain of the guards to arrest us and to put us... In jail, I thought, man, that's bad news. What happened? He said, well, the imam came in. The imam stepped in, and he stepped in between me and the mayor. And he pointed his finger at the mayor, and he said, these are my friends. They're with me. They're welcome on this island. I told them they could come. To which the mayor said, oh, they're here at your invitation. And he said, yes. And so he backed off, and everything was fine. Now, here's the point of that story. The imam was from Islam. He was not a Christian. He didn't know Christ. He was lost. If he died, he was on his way to hell. He needs Jesus. But he welcomed us as a friend to come and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with him and everybody else on that island. We call that a man of peace. And it's amazing that God would give men and women of peace in these foreign lands that have authority to help get you out of trouble if it's so needed. And so we find here in this particular context, here is the, uh, the chief man of the island who is given and is very, the Bible says he's courteous in verse number 7 to Paul. That is, he is a man of peace. He is giving Paul permission to do whatever he wants to do on this island of Malta, the Bible is giving him what he needs in the arena of hospitality. Number two, here's the second thing that God provides. God not only provides hospitality; He provides healing. Look at verse eight and nine. And the Bible says, "And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick with a fever and of a bloody flux." Now, if you have your Bibles, that word—if you're using the King James—the word "bloody flux" is dysentery. He's got dysentery, that is to say that the sanitation on this island, remember, is a little bit uh, what we consider barbaric, not in a negative sense, but it's just not developed, and so there is not very good sanitation on the island. And because there's not good sanitation, he gets dysentery, and he's very sick. The Bible tells us that Paul entered in, and he prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So that when this was done... Others also, which had diseases in the island, came, and they too were healed. And then the Bible tells us there in the last part, the third thing I want you to notice is that he is also God also provides them with honors. What do you mean? Look at what the Bible says in verse 10. Who also honored us with many honors, and when we departed, they laded us with such things as was necessary. So let me just point out a couple of things, if I could, about this. About this point of healing, the Bible says that Paul entered into the house and prayed, laid his hands on him, and this man was healed. So much so, in verse number 9, the Bible says other people that also had dysentery and other diseases, it's plural there, many other diseases in the island came and were healed God provided healing for his servants as He's sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and then God also provides honor in verse number 10 when the Bible says that they honored us with many honors the word honors there in the plurals where we get our English term honorarium honorarium an honorarium is what you give to someone uh, a financial uh, gift that you give to someone uh, because you're grateful that they came uh, many evangelists today uh, want to, to take up an offering every single night when we were paying off our debt uh, I shared with one of the missionaries that we are not doing that we're not going to take up an offering every single night why Well, because we're trying to pay off the debt and we're going to give you an honorarium and it'll be a nice honorarium we're going to help you and see to it that all your needs are met now now that we've got the debt paid off we do take up an offering Every night. As a matter of fact, May the 1st through the 4th, Brother Rick Coram's going to be with us in revival. It's going to be a great time, a great time of revival. I hope that you'll make plans on being here. Hope you'll make plans on being here each and every evening. We'll have it on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. May the 1st through the 4th, revival. But we're not giving him an honorarium like we've done in the past. We're going to take up an offering so that we can bless him and be a part of his ministry. So here these people want to be a part of this ministry. And so they gave them an honorarium. Now, the word honors there, honorarium, is usually paid to the physician. Now, Paul was used by God to miraculously heal these people. Now, but there was somebody else with them. Who is with Paul? Luke, what was Luke's profession? He was a doctor. So we see that many of these people that came not only were healed through a miraculous healing, but we also see and are given evidence by the word honors there or honorarium because Paul uh, has his companion with him, Luke. Luke is writing this letter. Luke intentionally writes the word honors in here or honorarium to give us insight into the fact that this was a part. Of his ministry also. Not only was Paul healing miraculously, or God healing miraculously through Paul, he was also using his gifts to Luke as Luke was ministering to those that were sick also. And so, in doing so, the Bible says that when they departed or when they left this island of Malta, that they laden them with such things that were necessary. That is to say, they gave them money. They gave them food, they gave them clothing, they gave them everything that they needed to trek that 60-mile course, if you would, from Malta over into Italy. And so we see there in the text that God not only protected his servants, but God also provides for his servants. What is the lesson for us today? The lesson for us today is God is still a God of provision. God still provides God still provides for everything that we need. We need to trust Him and be faithful to Him. Here's what I found to be fascinating. I found it to be fascinating that if you'll put God first in your life, if He'll be number one in your life, you may not get what you want, but He'll give you what you need. He will take care of you. I'm telling you, when you see what God has done here to Paul's life, we can see that it lines up just exactly what he wants to do for us today. Then number three, here's the third thing, how God uh, how God fulfilled the Great Commission in Malta. We see, first of all, he protected his servant. Number two, he provides for his servants. And number three, we see God empowers his servants. Verse 11 through 16, God is going to empower Paul, let me show you what I mean. Cast your eye to verse number 15. The Bible says, And from thence, when the brethren heard us, they came to meet us as far as Apiphorum and the three taverns. Whom Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. What are we looking at here, Pastor? We're looking how God empowers his servants. God empowered Paul by bringing him other Christians. Now, why did Paul need encouragement? Look at what the Bible says. The Bible says, and after three months in verse number 11, we departed in a ship of Alexandria. So they stayed in Malta for three months. They got on a ship uh, uh, called Alexandria. And as they got on there, they wintered there in the isle, whose signa was Castor and Pollux. Do you see that there? Who in the world are Castor and Pollux? Castor and Pollux are the sons of Zeus. They were were inscribed images, if you would, on the boat. You could see their their portrait, if you would. And uh, what would happen here is that these folks that were lost put their trust in the superstitions of the Greek gods. And so what we're seeing here in this text is uh, Luke is saying they dedicated themselves to faith, in these Greek gods. Not not Paul, but these lost people, the people that owned this ship. And so they were all uh, following after these superstitions. And Paul wanted to preach against those superstitions, but they were against him. Verse number 12. The Bible says, In landing in Syracuse we tarried there for three days. And from thence we fetched a compass, and we came to Raguum. And after one day the south wind blew, and we came next to Pertoli. Where we found the brethren and desired to tarry with them seven days and so went to Rome. And from thence when brethren heard us, they came and met us as far as I uh, Forum in the three taverns whom Paul saw. We thank God and we took courage. Brothers and sisters, I submit to you today that in regards to the courage that Paul needed, he needed other believers. What's the point that I want to make to you for this? In order for us to be empowered as born-again children of God, we need each other. Because we, just like Paul and Luke and those that were with him, he was living in a very difficult day. He was living in a very superstitious day. The culture in which Paul was living in was Greek gods, and these Greek gods were everywhere. And Paul was standing and preaching about the one true God, that all these rest of these gods could not save you. Only Jesus Christ could save you. And preaching that day after day and time after time and not seeing a lot of people come to Christ can be very discouraging. But what picked him up? What gave him courage? What caused Paul to say, i got to keep going? Other believers. Right. Do you see what happened there in the text? In verse number 14. The Bible says there in uh, Petulai, he says we found brethren and we desire to stay with them seven days And we went uh, there. After that, we went to Rome. So here we see in the text, as Paul is being used by God, how God fulfills the Great Commission in Malta. He protects his servants, he provides for his servants, and then he empowers his servants. How does God empower you and I today? Through each other. We need one another. We need to fellowship with one another. We need to be serving with one another. We need to be in Bible studies with one another. We need to be encouraging one another. Man, I find great, I take great courage, and my heart is so comforted. uh, This happens a lot. I don't want you to think that it doesn't happen often. It happens a lot. I'll be in the Discover and room after a sermon. It'll be like one of these days, you know, where we all lost an hour, and half of us are looking for that hour uh, during the hour of worship. I mean, we can't help it. It's like that fella, I told you about that fella at the last church I pastored, I was, uh, the preacher was preaching. It wasn't me preaching, but I was in the front row. The preacher was preaching, the lights kept going out. they kept going, go off, and they'd come back on. They'd go off, and they'd come back on. And we were like, what in the world is happening? And there was a guy in the very back, sitting on the back wall, and we had just built the church, and, and we had these push-button uh, light switches. And every time he'd fall asleep, he'd prop his head up on the back wall. When his head hit the wall, it cut the lights off. And then he'd wake up. Well, he didn't know he cut the lights off. And then a few minutes later, he'd fall asleep again. His head would hit the lights, and they'd come back on. And then they began this war between the folks up in the booth and the folks down there. They thought it was a wiring problem. They thought somebody had wired the lights wrong. And all the while, it was one of our church members in the back sleeping. Every time his head would hit hit that button, the lights would go off. And then and then, and then they'd cut the lights on up in the booth. And then he'd hit he'd, he'd, and. and Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Uh, and, and so uh, sometimes there are days like that. And sometimes you wonder, man, I, I just can't. I, I, I'm doing the best I can, Lord. I, I can't keep everybody awake. But we'll go out here and we'll go into. Listen, David, you tickled. you got to come back next hour and encourage me. Uh, we, I'll be in like the, 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 the green room. And some church member will come in there and they'll say, Pastor, I just want to thank you. For being faithful and preaching the word of God, thank you. You, you. you, 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 I know it's hard to be always on, and I'm not saying you're always on, but I just want to thank you. You're, it encourages me that you never deviate. Every time I come here, it's always look at your Bibles, always, and that encourages me. We got to have believers, other believers, encouraging one another. This is how God fulfills the Great Commission and then here's the last thing and I'm done I'm out of time but I want to give you the second point how the Great Commission was fulfilled in Rome how was the Great Commission fulfilled in Rome I want you to notice we see this in verses 17 through 31 in verses 17 all the way down to verse number 29 we have this background let me go through it real quick and then I'm gonna focus on the last part and be done The Bible says, and it came to pass after three days Paul called the chief of the Jews together and from uh, where they had come together and he said unto them, men and brethren, thou have, excuse me, he says, men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our Father, yet I was delivered a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans who, when they had examined me, would have let me go because there was no cause of death Within me. Now I want you to get the picture here. As soon as they arrive at Italy. As soon as they arrive in Rome. Paul takes three days off. It takes him three days to recover. On the third day he wakes up and immediately calls the Roman Jews. And says hey can y'all come see me just a minute. And so they come and see him. And the Bible says he begins to explain to them. He says I've been tried and they can't find me guilty. Verse number 19. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I ought to accuse my nation of. For this cause, therefore, have I called you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. And they said unto him, We neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither have any of the brethren came and spoke uh, of any harm of thee. But we desire to hear thee, that thou mayest thinkest, or that thou thinkest, for as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. So the Jews say, we don't know what you're talking about, Paul. We didn't receive any letters telling us to condemn you. Nobody has come and said that we ought to kill you. We have no idea what you're talking about. But this one thing that we know, this sect, of the Nazarene, remember that's what he was accused of being a sect of the Nazarene. He says, they say, we've been hearing about this, and there's a lot going on here in the city of Rome. There's a lot of Christians going on. So we want to know what all this is about. Verse 23, the Bible says, and when they appointed a day, uh, there came many to him uh, into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified. The kingdom of God. Why is it so important that as a pastor, as your pastor, that I keep pointing back to the Word of God? Because that's what Paul did. Paul expounded the Word of God. He always went back. He said, look at the Bible. Look at what the Bible says. He testified the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a Greek word which means presented the gospel. He presented the gospel persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. Long sermon again. The Bible says in verse 24, and some believed the things which were spoken and some did not. This is the fifth time. This happens five times in the book of Acts. This is the fifth time when Paul presents the gospel to Jews, they're divided. Verse 25. And when they agreed, not among themselves, they departed. After that, Paul had spoken one word. uh, Well spake the Holy Ghost by Elijah, the prophet, unto our fathers. So uh, basically what Paul says, let me tell you what Isaiah said. And he points to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. And he looks at the Jews that are divided. And he says, here's your problem. He says, saying, go into this people and say, hearing you shall hear and shall not understand. And seeing you shall see and not perceive. For the hearts of the people is waxed gross. And their ears are dull of hearing. And their eyes, are, they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and lest they should hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and they could be converted. They should be converted and I should heal them. But be it known unto you that the salvation of God is sent into the Gentiles and that they will hear. Basically, Paul accuses them of three things. He says, number one, the reason why you're divided is because you have a dull heart. Your heart is dull, dull like a knife, a dull knife. You can't cut nothing with a dull knife, nothing. He says, your hearts are so dull, we cannot, you will not listen to the gospel. It's, gross, it's waxed gross, the Bible says, number two. He says, not only that, he says, but you also are dull of hearing. That is hard of hearing. That means, you, you, obviously, you can't hear a thing. You You are deaf. And then number three, the third thing he says, he says, you have intentionally closed your eyes. It's an act of the will. So they're like the three monkeys. Hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. He says, y'all are just like that. And might I say this, that's the same problem today. This is why the Jews don't come to Jesus. The same thing. This is why Gentiles don't come to Jesus. Because they're waxed gross. Their hearts are dull. They're calloused. Uh, they're, they're, they will not receive the truth. They're hard of, healing, hard of hearing. Um, I, I got to move on. I got to be done. He, let me give you the three things. He, he, he goes on to say, verse 30 and 31, here's the three things God does in Rome to promote the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ. Number one, the first thing, he receives everyone. Look at verse number 30. And Paul dwelt two years in his own hired house and received all that came to him. He didn't care he didn't care what color you were. He did not care what nation you were from. He didn't care about how much money you had. Anybody and everybody. He had a, could have had a sign out on the front door that said, Welcome all. Anybody that came into his house, he preached the gospel to them. Number two, the second, or he received them. Number two, by preaching the kingdom of God. You see what the Bible says there? The Bible says preaching the kingdom of God. He preached to them. The word preaching is expounding the gospel again. He expounded the gospel to them, how that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose again the third day. And then the third thing is he taught them, teaching those things concerning our Lord Jesus with all confidence, no man forbidding. How did God use Paul to fulfill the Great Commission in Rome? By receiving everyone that came in. Number two, by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And number three, by teaching them to grow up And be strong disciples of Jesus. There's only one way to do that. You've got to teach the Bible. You've got to teach the Bible. And so Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, Luke testifying under the inspiration of God, writing this letter, simply says this. If we're going to pick up where Paul left off, the three things we've got to do is we've got to receive whoever comes in sinners a sinner everybody is welcome number two preach the gospel that is Jesus is the way the truth the life no man comes to the Father but by him I know it's narrow but it's what the Word of God says that is the only way to heaven you can't get to heaven through sacraments you cannot get to heaven through going through some class you can't get to heaven by being baptized you can't get to heaven by joining a church the only way to get to heaven is to recognize Jesus is the Messiah and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead then you will be saved it's not about religion it's about a relationship you gotta you gotta preach the gospel and then number 3 you gotta teach the truth you when you come to Christ you're going to have hard times it's going to be difficult but God wants you to have the mind of Christ and God has entrusted us with the Great Commission it is our responsibility to be on the golf course and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ if we're retired it's our responsibility to drive a milk truck or go to a school and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with our lives and with our language too. when the opportunity arises it is our responsibility not just to come to church and go we did it we went on Sunday morning and then and forget it it's our responsibility to grow up in jesus and love his word and fall in love with him and make a difference in our culture hey. father thank you i pray that as we go in this invitation time you would receive glory honor and praise we love you we thank you and we ask your blessings now in jesus name amen